Welcome back to the Tiny Bookcase. I'm Ben. And I am Nico. What you're about to hear is an interview. A damn good one too. Prepare to learn. If you enjoy hearing this guest talk, be sure to check out last week's episode where you can hear their story. Ours too, if you're so inclined. So, without further ado, on with the show. Right now, we'd like to get some questions for you, if that's quite all right. Yes. Yeah, I love questions. It's all about me now. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Open fire. <laughs> uh, right, I'm going to go with the first one, which is, uh, what's the first book you actually remember reading? Uh, that's such a good question. It's probably the first book I, I actively remember reading again and again and again. Is um, It's two books, really. It's Shadow the Sheepdog by um, Enid Blyton, which obviously from the story I read today has stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. And um, another Enid Blyton book called, the, she's, she's been in the news recently as Enid Blyton because she wasn't very nice and she wasn't because I have a, a young child and we thought, oh, we'll read him Enid Blyton. And it's quite difficult now. You have to censor as you go along if you're reading the original books. Oh, yeah, it's not uh, just lashings of boiled eggs, is it, when you go back? No, no, it's it's not. Um, there are things in it you cannot say to a, an, an eight-year-old as he was at the time. So he's like, oh, oh. Because my wife collects original editions of books. Um, so we don't have, like, the new ones that they've updated a bit. We've got the original ones, which <laughs> you kind of think, oh, I wouldn't leave my kid with Enid. Um <laughs> And, and the other one is she wrote a book called The Folk of the Faraway Tree. Um, but my copy, for whatever reason, was really old and it had the last five or six pages missing. So I had to make up my own end. Oh, no way. Well, I've always wondered if that's how I ended up here. Oh, yeah. Wow. But I, I think that's a very powerful reason as to why you might have found yourself there. Yeah. But they're, they're the first books I actively remember having in my head are those sort of. And um, the poetry of Hilaire Belloc, which is. Um, Matilda, who told lies and got burned to death, and the boy who wouldn't do as he was told and got eaten by a lion. Victorian sort of morality tales in poems. Yeah. That they're, they're not acceptable for children, but I loved them. Mm. And really gruesome. Do, do you go for any kind of like uh, didactic angles in your in your own work? No, that's not to say that it's not in there. It mm. very much is, and what I believe and what I think. Um, and how I think we should treat people is a large part of my book. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But um, of everything I write. But I, if the reader feels like I'm lecturing them, I've failed. If you if you feel like I'm saying to you, oh, look at this, women aren't, aren't a second-class citizen, because you're reading about my book, which has a female ship captain, and I've kind of failed. Mm. Um, so it's not. It's just the way things are, and I'm, I'm never trying to actively teach you anything no but, you, but it sounds like you're not you're also not afraid to let yourself and what you believe and what you think go into your books which is which is excellent that's uh no no it's definitely there and and it's and i have very certain beliefs about not being awful to people <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah and, and that sort of populates everything i do there, there is of course reviews of my books calling calling me um a virtue signaler which oh no just, well it just means you've succeeded oh really okay <laughs> if you've got some idiot that thinks that then yes <laughs> i'm going to on your behalf tell all of them to go fuck themselves <laughs> do you um do you find it's possible to write without 
your personality influencing it? Or is there like a step you have to take if you're going to write a particularly egregious bastard or? No, no. Cause, cause I'm, I love people. And I believe there are very few people that are completely worthless. Um, and you're always, uh, with my first trilogy, the Wounded Kingdom trilogy, uh, I, when I was writing the bad people in it, I was consciously thinking I should be able to tell this story from their point of view where they are the hero um, and the things they do make sense. Yeah. And I don't, I think if I've written someone that's so obviously black and white evil, then, then I, I've failed again because you want subtlety in people. People aren't like that. Yeah. You know, pe- people might be absolutely terrible, but they, they probably love their mom. There's always something there. And I don't want to write simplistic black and white stuff. It's not, not what interests me about people. You don't want skeletal. No, no, I don't. I don't. Though there is some angry skeletal on Twitter who are quite like. Oh, yes. yes. It's about how she hates He-Man. Just, just out of curiosity for me, what is your fiction of choice for each of you two? As in the the genre that we that we yeah. reach for first. Uh, ooh, that's a it's um it's it's it is a difficult question. I think I, I think probably fantasy would. I think if I didn't say fantasy, Nick would call me a liar. I would. Um, <laughs> but I have read a lot of science fiction as well, um, and which I enjoy for because it just sort of tickles a different bit of my brain. Yeah, um, I. Uh... I I would I'm going to slightly cheat. I think I think my genre is comedy, but not in the sort of guffawing stuff. But if I'm reading reading for comfort, it will always be Pratchett or Adams and I, I something that will. It's a, a very British humour mm. helps me. Light well, mirth. Yeah. Let's call that's, it that. <laughs> that's, that's a nice way of looking at it. like like how how what kind of what kind of feelings that it it you get from the. The work, yeah, yeah. Because if if that was the case, then I was I would be the reverse of that. Because I go very serious and very grim. Would be it would be my go to. Well, we're friends. <laughs> I'm like that. I'm I'm a really silly, light hearted person. But what I I go to to read is like really really grim, and what I write is just like there, there's this sort of disconnect. That I imagine people come to fantasy things and they see me on a panel and I'm all like silly and laughing and doing stuff, and then they read the books and they're just like oh. Oh my god! I think there's a definite air of truth to that, though. I mean, Ben and I both watch a lot of stand-up comedy, often together, and a lot of stand-up comedians talk about how damage helps them to be funny. Mm. And I think that I I write a lot of comedic writing normally because it's what I'm interested in. But much like a lot of that comes from a place of depression, and mm. it helps me to make things that are funny. If you can make things funny, then you can you know, make things funny and you can get on with it. Yeah. So I do think that, that there is like a seat, a personality seesaw that you can balance through your creativity. Just cause, cause um, you like Douglas Adams. Yes. I, I personally, this, this is quite upsetting for a lot of Douglas Adams fans. Okay. I think Dirk Gently is better than Hitchhikers by a long way. Um, did, but did you see the, I think it was Netflix. It was, it, it, it was Netflix, yeah. They didn't, did they? Yeah, they did. Uh, they did a few seasons. How have I missed this? It's a work of genius. It is not the books, but it is a work of genius. Right, I've got the to sec- go. The second <laughs> season, particularly, just I, blew my mind. 
I, I would totally agree. I I mm. haven't read not not the bit about how it's not like the book because I haven't read the Dirk books. Um, mm. But I I I watched the show, loved it, did a bit of research on the books, and realised that I was not going to get the same thing from the books as I was as I got from the show. No, they basically just took his name, yeah, and then did their own thing. But it's brilliant. Uh, un- unfortunately, got um, sort of cut down, didn't it? it got uh... cancelled at season two. Sadly, cancelled at season two. Yeah, yeah. As of the Netflix way, yeah. Well, just yeah. generally, isn't it? It's horror, isn't it? Like, for example, the series the HBO series Rome that only got two seasons. It was travesty. <sighs> yep. Right, um... come on, let's have something more cheerful. RJ. <laughs> Yes. What is yes, your definitely. secret talent that few people know about? Ah, oh, well, I think that the thing that people don't expect when they meet me is, um, I'd love to say it's that I'm a musician, but but that's a lie. Uh, it was never a talent. It was just a wish. Um, what did you play? I was a bass player. I was terrible, but I had really good hair. So I got in a lot of bands. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what was your sound, man? I need to, this is, this is my, I don't know, you probably don't know, but I'm a rock vocalist. Oh, well, I, I got into music, this, this is giving away my age, just as hair metal was dying and grunge was coming up. A good so, time. Yeah, kind of looked like, like a member of Poison, um, but I was listening to kind of, tapes coming over from the US of, of grunge bands and, and stuff and I really like that. So I played in a lot of very grungy bands. Um and then finally got in one that we did for about four years with a really talented guitarist. Uh, uh, and I suddenly realized one day I, I cannot keep up with you. You are so much better than I am. Uh, and I kind of all the joy just dropped out of it for oh, me. Oh that sucks. Yeah. But I, I, I love it. I love music. I, I'm obsessed. I'm still listening to like loads of new stuff when I can get at it. Well, you should, uh, if you're into it, then you should check out Nick's band, because um, I will. Nico's in a, a rock band called uh, Dead Man's Whiskey, and mm-hmm. it's, it's very good. I will. I'm not uh, allowed to say that. He, yes. He, <laughs> fact, are you are you singy or are you screamy? Singy. You singy. Right, okay. Singy, but with some belt. Yeah, because I like it all. I, I've, my tastes are very eclectic. It's, and my little boy's learning guitar from an actual rock star at the moment, which just pleases me no end. Who are they learning um, from? He's learning from a chap called James Smith. Um, is Are they a rock band? I don't know. They're very indie. They're called Yard Act. Um, they're, quite, they're a bit like The Fall. That's probably okay. the nearest thing. Um, very political, really funny. Um, oh, that's good. And they, they've been on like Radio 1 and been picked up by The Guardian and stuff like that, so he's not going to have a guitar teacher for much longer. <laughs> <laughs> but they're really good yard actor worth checking out. Are they, are, but, they based in, are they based in Leeds? Yeah, they are. They're based in Leeds. We went to see them as soon as, soon as we were allowed, and they're all fantastic. Quite, he's a bit of a stand-up comedian himself. He's quite funny when he's on stage as James. Worth, they're on YouTube. Check, oh, check out um, yeah. Fixer Upper by, is where I'd start with them. Right, no, you. I've let you go off track here and tell us that you're <laughs> you're not a talented musician, which I. <laughs> that's going out the window. We're not even yeah. having that. But what is your secret talent? I want a secret uh, talent. A secret talent. Most people know about me is I used to be a tax inspector. Ooh. And no one would expect it of me, because I, I don't give off a tax inspector type like someone like long hair and black and leather golf, uh, and I used to like 
to people's taxes and stuff. And I've no idea how I did it because I just I have to do my own taxes now, and I just I know I'm hiring an accountant. It's just I, confusing. I was, I was about to say, does that does that mean that you're you're great at doing your own stuff? No, because I hate doing that with a like absolute passion. There's nothing I hate hate more than it, like yeah. a bureaucratic form process. That was um, helpful. I just give um, it all to my accountant. Go, you oh. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, also, though, if you used to be a, like. People don't know this. If you, I think I've, I've, I think I'm out of the amount of years this actually applies for. But if you used to be a tax inspector, uh, and you do something naughty with your taxes, like if you do it, they slap your wrist and say, "Pay us the money you should have paid it." But if yeah. you used to be a tax inspector, they go, "Right, you're going to jail." What? Cause you, yeah, because you're meant to know. There's, there's no pity at HMRC if you used to be one of them. If you left, it's like a cult. Once you've gone, they'll always hate you. Just no pity at HMRC. Yeah. 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 I can't have a picture of the Queen in the house. Yeah. Queen hates me now because I left left her revenue collection system. Well, she won't be around for much longer. You hear hear a a car revving outside. You stick your head out the window. Fuck you. I never liked you anyway. (laughs) She's bricked our windows numerous times. You know, because they've got the royal seal on them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <God, no. laughs> but yeah, um, I used that, that's that's my. It's not a talent, though, is it? I, I, I think being able to do someone's taxes is a talent, and and it's yeah. definitely something that that people wouldn't expect of a of a talented fantasy writer such as yourself. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that answer. Yeah, so, I don't think uh, any, anybody expects me to have done something so serious. So I'm going to follow it up with a question about stories again. So what's your favourite story? So it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a novel or a short story, just the concept. Oh, that's, 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 I should have read the questions. I need... <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's stories that I, I'm not a great rereader. Um, mm-hmm. I want new things. That's very much how I am. I'm like that with everything. I want new things. I'm not into nostalgia. I'm not into going backwards. But... I quite often reread Watch It Down because I think oh. it's a, a work of genius. I, I love it. And every time I read it, it I find it's a different book. Um, and the basic, the story is just some rabbits go somewhere and that, that's it. But but there, there's so much in it and it's beautiful. And Richard Adams was actually really rude about it, the author. Um, he said, oh, it's just a kid's book, but I don't think he even knew what he wrote. So oh. yeah, Watch It Down. And it's my go back to book. It's it's always in my we um when we do Rackopolis we talk about the Ur text, which is the book that is always in your head when you're writing. Right. And and for me it's watership down. Uh, it's some part of it is always lodged in my head. So oh, that's a yeah. that's a fascinating concept. What would be your Ur text, Nico? Oh You should have read the questions, Nico. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I can see it right here in our list. What is your urtext? <laughs> I, I always, I always I, say that. Sorry, I think it's King Kong. Oh, uh-huh. that's fascinating. Go on. So I, when I'm coming up with stories, and I have a fascination with kaiju movies and giant robots, mm. and but like. It's it's an incredible race parable, King Kong, and it's like especially the Fay Ray nineteen thirty three Kong. It's really entrenched in 
like quite subversive thinking for the time. And the idea that you can interweave racial commentary into a movie that is ha 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 monkey fight dinosaur. <laughs> I think that that was a big lesson for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I do still like monkey. So <laughs> you, you, you have to have um, Kit on my friend. Cause um, he, not only does he mistakenly believe that T-Rex is better than Triceratops, which, which we'll just, we won't talk about that, it's wrong. But he also <laughs> mistakenly believes that King Kong is better than Godzilla. Oh, the man's an idiot. Yeah. So, <laughs> but he is obsessed with King Kong. He's, he wrote quite a good, he might, I don't know if it's sold or not, but he wrote a really good story about him. It wasn't about King Kong for copyright reasons. About a giant monkey. It's called it's Grand it. Ape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Monarch ape. Yeah. Regal monkey. Um, <laughs> the uh, there's a fantastic tabletop board game that I I really enjoy called Monster Apocalypse, and it's full of these not quite copyrightable <laughs> names. And the uh, King Kong equivalent is called King Kondo, and it makes me <laughs> laugh every time. <laughs> this. There's really weird things when you write novels because the, the bone ships, my, my ones that are out at the moment, mm. they're based. Have, have you seen Master and Commander? Yeah. yeah I, I love those books. Um, and the bone ships concept that I sold to my agent was, was Master and Commander versus Godzilla. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what it is. They're kaiju in it. They're these massive sea monsters. But when, when it comes to writing a fantasy book, you can't have kaiju. They've got to be dragons. Yeah. It's the rule. It's dra- they're dragons. I'm like, oh, okay. but they're not really dragons. They're more like <laughs> leviathans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're, they're still dragons. So, so they have to be dragons. You're not swerving me. this, by the way, Ben. What's your uh, text? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I might be able to get away with that one, but uh... you think you fucking dodge it, did you? <laughs> like the uh... draft. <laughs> hey man, no stolen valor here. Um... <laughs> It's, uh, I think it's actually got, because as I said, like I, I go serious a lot when I'm reading things. Mm. Um, and I think I come off as a bit serious in, in person, like, um, and you know, it's so, so sort of like bound up with all that, like self doubt and like, um, depreciation and this kind of thing. I think the reason that I, so m- my answer is, uh, The Blade Itself by Joe Abercrombie, because, okay. um, it's grimdark fantasy fiction wrote with his balls firmly pressed against the wall and it's it's funny it it flies by the seat of his pants it's just aggressive and 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 dark and serious at times but it's always fun it it never forgets the fun um and the rest of his writings like that as well Mm. and um and i think i try and hold that in my head it's a lovely chap too is he have you you met him at uh, panels and such yeah he's he's he's, we're with the same publisher he's he's really nice is joe i've met him a few times in fact the first time i met him um my little boy was reading these books called beast quest which like for eight i'm aware years. of them yeah <laughs> uh, and basically my son lectured him on how joe's books were wrong and they should be more like beast quest for an hour <laughs> and he and he just took it he was just like, all right really yeah thanks. oh that's lovely yeah he's a really nice man um well, well this is all he's, yeah he's definitely something of a writing hero of mine with this mm. like and i try and hold it in my head that everything that every story that you tell should ultimately be fun in one way or mm. another uh being too serious all the time doesn't doesn't get me anywhere so 
I, th- I think it's a really good tip for if you're writing yourself as well, which is find something you really enjoy writing and then just do it. Mm. Don't don't listen to anyone else. If it says that works, sound don't want that. Just do it. This is all far too positive. I'm not having any more of this. Okay. <laughs> with with that in mission. mind, with that in mind, <laughs> can you think of a book that didn't work for you at all, and why didn't it? Oh, that is more common than not for me. Really? Yeah, I'm more likely to give up on a book than I am to carry on with it. Is there a um, common reason? think it's voice I, a lot of fantasy doesn't work for me because there's um it's a skill to write it and i appreciate it as a skill but there's a way of writing i think it's windowless writing um is is one of the phrases you use it where it doesn't interfere with the story there's it's just like telling you the story there's no inflection in the the writing uh, and i don't like that it doesn't interest me um it just doesn't kick me but um the one i'm gonna go to because it's safe and i can't upset any of my friends it is um wolf hall ah which i was desperate to read i love that period there's a writer called cj sansom who who writes about um, matthew shardlick who's a a lawyer in the court of henry the eighth and they're fantastic books and i got wolf hall and i was really excited about it and i just bounced off after about five pages really hard i also unfortunately bounced off that book um, after um, Mark Rylance's wonderful performance in the BBC mm. Adam, um I think it was a BBC Adam. Um Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really uh, good. I, I had to go and pick it up, and I did not read it because I didn't like it. <laughs> I, th- I think um, present tense writing is a really difficult thing for me to re- read, and I don't know why. Though I did manage it for um, uh, oh, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian. I read that, mm. which is excellent. I'm never going to read it again. It's awful, but it is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I gravitate towards books that have a really strong voice, and that's what I like in a book. So I like that. that. I like I like the way that you turn that into a positive. I, I yeah. it's, that's, always, that's always the point of it, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it's defied uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if a book's not not working for you, it's it's because of me. It's not because of the book. Uh, that generally. Most books that come out are good at what they do. Even I mean, people laugh about Dan Brown, he... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but those, those books are, are really successful at what they do, which is tell a story that you want to keep reading. I don't enjoy them; they don't work for me. Mm. But I understand why they work, and if I could write it, I would. Yeah, because <laughs> then I'd be very rich. <laughs> well, if you can, if you can turn crack cocaine into a novel, it's uh, it's, it's laborious. Yeah, it's flattening it all out into sheets and stapling it together. That's what takes the time. <laughs> so speaking of the way that you put together your books, then what is your writing process when you come to write stuff like the the shorter form stuff, so like flash fiction, like the story that you wrote that you read out for us earlier, or, or short stories? I've, I've not written short stories for a long time. Um, mm. I, I started writing short stories because I, I stopped doing bands. So I'm going to be a writer. Um, comes back to the not going back. So I had to teach myself to write. Um, so I thought short stories were easier. And I wrote a lot of short stories. Um, and over about seven years before I had to go at a novel. And I made a grand total of $5 in that time. 
that, that was that was it. And you can't cash a check for five dollars because um, it's not enough money. Um, so so that, there we go. Um, and then I got really ill, and it came That's out it. of it. Yeah, well, it's, it, it's not. Nothing is as bad as it seems. I got. I was really poorly. I, I've got Crohn's disease. So I'm never getting better. But I was too ill to work, which meant I had loads of time on my hands. So I thought, right, I'm going to write a novel. So I wrote novels. Um, and I probably wouldn't have had the time to do it if I'd had to hold down a job as well. I don't mm. think I'm too slack. Um, so I used that time and I wrote novels and I taught myself to do it. Um, but I've kind of lost the knack for writing. And the Short stories are really hard to be that succinct and tell a really good on-point story. is an absolute skill that I, I was sporadically all right at. Um, and I think with The Shepherd, I hit it once. But I'm better at longer stories, I think. And your so the process for writing the longer stories, then do you uh, do you have a particular approach that you've done for all of your novels, or do, is it different each time? It, it's different-ish each time. I, the first the first novel I wrote was that got that sold, Age of Assassins. Um, I did like a very rough chapter guide. I set out a, ta- a table, and then I had thirty chapters in it, and I put the beginning, and then I put the end. And then I just slotted in some things that I thought might be quite fun to write. And I wrote an entire book then using those. And then for the ones afterwards, I just went at it without any messing about. I made it up as I went along. And is that is that because you felt comfortable of having done it the first time, that you sort of had a rough structured yeah. approach in your head and could just do it? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I even have a structure in my head. I think I just have a, a destination. Right. And I write and I see what happens and it's quite interesting. And if something seems like fun, I'll do that. Does um, the destination change when you're writing? Very rarely. Right. It's n- not so far. Um, with the assassin books, it was a bit different because they were crime books in a fantasy world. Each one was a murder mystery. Oh, so, cool. so the destination for each. And there, then there was a, because it's a trilogy, there was an overarching story that I knew, sort of the emotional story in it that, that went over the, all three books. So I knew where that ended. Um, but when I wrote the last book, I didn't actually know what the murder mystery, I didn't know how that was going to end or what it would be when I started. <laughs> I just thought, oh, I'll write a book. Well, um, fun. And it's then with the brave to just go at it like that, I think. It, it is if you're the sort of person that sits and plans things. It's not if you're me. It's just the way I do it. Mm. There's nothing brave about it. It's just me. I'm, I, that's who I am. I'm not. I think also for me quite comforting yeah. because I'm definitely not the kind of person who sits and plans things. <laughs> you, you don't. You have to. I've got friends that do. I've got friends that sit and they plan out everything, and then they sit and they write the novel. Um, and I've got friends that this is horrific to me. They sit and they plan out everything, and they write their novel, and then they rewrite that novel, and they usually only use about a third of what they wrote for the first one. I, I I get I know that that feeling of horror when you hear about mm. people throwing away huge amounts of words. We we've, we've had yeah. that before on this podcast. We've had yeah. some some extremely talented people on here, and they've uh, and some of them have said that they've tossed out multiple iterations of an of a novel and not used yeah. any of the words. And the idea for me as someone that you know takes the sort of like tries to take the sort of cleverest route towards getting it done as quickly as possible, but as well as possible. The idea of throwing away hundreds of thousands of words of your writing is terrifying. Yeah, you, you don't have to do that. I don't think. I don't. 
I, I finish a book and, and that's it. I've done a book. Here you are. <laughs> I've done a book. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you it's like only it. gone and done a bloody book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've touched wood. Um, my books have changed very little between me finishing them and them coming back from editor. Um, she she more like Jenny's really good and she more sort of nudges me. And she, she It's really funny going through her edits because she's got like three levels of comment, which is... It just occurred to me, which means that I literally, I, I just this is a passing thought, and then she'll say, "I thought." And when if she's put, "I thought," it means that she wants me to look at this and see if I can do it better. Yeah. And then she'll write, "We think," and oh, basically no. that means, "Yeah, I'm not getting away with we think that that's, that's <laughs> you have to change this." Um, and mostly when she wants me to change things, I don't actually change it. I use what I've done and I find a way to make it work. Because I'm stubborn and I'd rather do that. Okay. But my editor's really good and nearly always right as well. So, other than the we thinks, yeah. have you ever come up against any proper adversity on your path to being a writer? I'm not the sort of person that looks for adversity. I suspect the fact that when I was really ill, I, I was like in constant pain. Uh, and only sleep for a couple of hours. You know what? I'm six foot tall. I weighed six stone. Um, what? Yeah, I was really poorly. Oh, no. Uh, oh, that's... Oh, yeah. It was a long time ago. Um, yeah. I suspect most people would see that as adversity, but I, I don't. I see that as the thing that gave me the room to do what I really wanted to do. Um, and, and and I try and do that with everything. Like, every time, like, I, I lost my agent, fired me. Not my current age. Not in a nasty way. Fired sounds really bad, and it wasn't really like that. It, it was. It's it's worth telling because it, it's kind of funny. He, we nearly sold the science fiction novel, and then publishers came back and said, "Okay, we we like RJ. We think he can write. We just don't think this is the one." And they kind of had some ideas of stuff they thought I might be good at. And they were interesting. And then I had the idea for Age of Assassins, and I wrote to my agent and said, "This is what I want to do." And he wrote back to me and he said, "I understand you want to do that. Please remember that a first person." fantasy murder mystery will be a really hard sell unless it's really really good and what i heard was write a really good book and what he meant <laughs> was don't do that RJ. <laughs> so we kind of parted ways <laughs> but he put me in touch with my current agent as, as kind of i sent him a list of other agents that i could try because got on it's just he want i want to do what i want and, and i don't think it was a soft client he wanted um and he sort of tagged my current agent, Ed Wilson, on as an afterthought. I said, oh, you might go on with him, try him. I, I, and I do. I love him. I love my agent. Aww. He makes me laugh. It's it's like having a friend who's in your corner for everything, but will tell you when you're being an idiot. Uh, uh, and, it, and it's great. Um, completely forgotten the point I was making. Adversity. Adversity yeah. yeah. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, you, I, I just don't, I just try not to think like that. And it, it seems like it galvanises you whenever, whenever something even... Sh- Seems yeah, like it might be. It, it galvanizes you to to just go for it, like you said. Yeah. When, when and you I were think... saying don't do it, you just went. You were like, oh, I just need to do it really well. Yeah, and I yeah. think when people say no to me, my immediate because I'm a, I seem very nice, but I'm actually a bit of a git. Um, my my immediate reaction to anybody saying no is, well, I'll show you. Oh <laughs> that's, yeah, I like that. that. Yeah, and that, that's what I want to do, but not in a kind of awful way. No. I, I just want to show you that I can be better. I can do better than that, and, and that's. And I, I'm never as good as I think I can be. 
it's like if I always imagine there's a really good writer over the hill that I can be that I can't see and I'm chasing him, but he's always ahead of me. Uh, and that's kind of quite frustrating, but but I keep going at him and I'm going to catch him one day. Oh, so you based on that story earlier, I think you might have got him at least a couple of times. Maybe snagged yeah. a leg and got him in a bear <laughs> trap or something. He's, rig- he's trying to wriggle yeah. free, but you've hit him a few times. Yeah, but I think because you, you read like something if I've read something like Blood Meridian by Colin McCarthy, and you just think that's amazing. And there's a writer called James Lee Burke, who um, is a crime writer. I don't know if you've come across him, who just I, writes. I haven't, no. Oh, just writes the most beautiful. It's just beautiful. And he, he writes detective stories about a detective called um, Dave Rubbishaw, and they're based in New Orleans in the deep south of America. And they're all about violence, and you know it's coming, and that this man's trying to hold it back. And then the latest, there's about 20, 30 of them. There's a very, very slight supernatural angle running through them. Just that you, you can imagine it or not, depending. And then the latest one called A Private Cathedral, it, he's hunted by a thousand-year-old hitman from hell, and the end of it takes place on the River Styx. So it really goes for it. Yeah, and there's just no way that should work. It just shouldn't work, but it does. It absolutely sells it, and you, it never feels like fantasy or urban fantasy. It feels as though it's set in our world. It's just, I hate him. Brilliant. Uh, it sounds a bit like um, this sort of Southern Gothic vibe, mm. where, where there's, there's a bit of magical realism in it, but it's also yeah. scary and about the deep south of America. Yeah, oh, it sounds it sounds very, yeah, it sounds really up my street. Very but, much. I was I was just going to say um it it's lovely to hear that you surround yourself with so many like nice people that you can that listen to you and and that you can listen to them as mm. well like with your agent and with your um editor that's that, that's the that's the dream isn't it that's the perfect scenario it is uh, and I've, I really like my my editor's my agent's agency he kind of I always get the feeling he takes people on that he likes and and that that's why I like him because mm. I it's not about well, he's an agent. It is about money, but it's not just about money. And that, and I really feel like he is there to look out for me. He's he's not gonna let let anyone get one over on me. Oh, and that's a, to hear. Hmm. we've gone way off piece. Well, we? Yeah, um, that's it's quite yeah, right. Yeah. It's, it's good to hear. It's good to hear it all. And uh, I'm sure people are interested. But but if you had to pick one genre of fiction to keep, and you threw all the other ones out the window. What one would you choose? Which one? Uh, look, I'm just going to apologise to a lot of people I'm going to upset now. <laughs> but I would keep crime. Because um, I think it's my, my earliest love, the Agatha Christie's and Sherlock Holmes. Um, <clears throat> and it tends to be what I read now. Um, it's, it's very American. Crime tends to draw me in. Mm. Um, I've just finished a reread of the entire um, Michael Connolly Bosch books after watching the series on them. Oh, I, I think um, it, I think I heard about that recently. That it, it did it get um, it came to an end, didn't it, Bosch? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's a written end. It's not like they cancelled it. Oh, perfect. Oh, that's nice to hear as well. Yeah, and, yeah. and there's a there's a spin-off coming. But exciting. It's it's astounding television. Just brilliant. It's one of those things where a lot of it is just somebody gives somebody a look, and it sells it to you. But the books are brilliant as well. But um, yeah, crime tends to be the thing that I read. That's my happy place. People being horribly murdered and then hunted down by a detective. That's what I like. (laughs) 
I don't, I don't know why I don't read fantasy. I, I used to read a lot of fantasy and I used to read a lot of science fiction and now it's crime. I'm quite cyclical though, so it'll probably change in a few it years. come back around. Yeah, it probably will. I think if I wasn't writing fantasy, I would be read it, reading it, but I could, the, the writer bit of me won't switch off when I'm reading fantasy. So that makes, a, all, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. not critical. It's not me thinking, oh, this isn't right. It's me thinking, what would I do with this? Which is, And it gets in the way of you falling into a book, which is what I like. And, and really, you do want to be preserving the love yeah. of being able to fall into a book. So yeah. that makes, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah. But of course, I, do, I, I don't write crime, but um, RJ Dark, who sat with me, not speaking, does write crime. Of course. So, yeah. A mystical RJ Bark. Dark. Yeah, awful person. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Archie Bark writes uh, books on tech. Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you've just just told everyone about my other pen name. How dare you? <laughs> the unveiling. Of course, there's the physicist RJ Quark. We can go on. <laughs> the ornithologist RJ Lark. Oh. <laughs> And the really unpleasant to talk to one, RJ Snark. <laughs> <laughs> Realise I'm writing all these down. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. yeah. I'm planning my career by these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Enough of this foolishness. Yeah. What is a quote that you live by? Oh, uh, well, funny you should have mentioned Douglas Adams. There's a bit in a Dirk Gently book about if you don't know where you're going, find someone that looks like they do know where they're going and follow them. And I love that. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. And I've done it. I'll, if I, I don't know what I'm doing, I might just find someone that doesn't know what they're doing and see what it is. That um, has rescued a drunk me at many a music festival, I have to say. Yeah. And, and, and the whole thing about it is it, it says you, you seldom turn up where you think you're going but you often turn up where you want to be um and, and it's that second bit i think yeah that really sits with me that that i i always try and think right with it, i'm here this is where i need to be and and kind of i'm very living the now so i think that works with me i don't think i consciously think of it as a quote but i think that's uh, stuck in my head so it must have done something you're marvelously uplifting you know I, I, I just sort of, I've, I found myself just sort of smiling through this, through our entire chat, RJ. It's been lovely. It's like you filmed yeah. me with some kind of RJ Spark. It's... <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> uh, it's just we're... to cover up the fact I'm a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> I, I'm fairly sure everyone, everyone listening to this is going to want to want to find your work and read it, Ajay. So, mm. what should we read first? It depends what you like, I suppose. If you like murder mysteries and kind of Games of Thrones type, that kind of medieval fantasy, which is then I would start with Age of Assassins, which is a, about um, it's about a young assassin and the woman that raises him. She's an assassin too, and they're they're captured and told they have to find who's trying to kill the heir to a castle. And the heir's horrible. They kind of you kind of want him to die. Um, <clears throat> but 
their life is on that. So it's a murder mystery, basically, but it's a who's going to do it rather than a who did it. Um, and that sort of spans out into three books that tell the story of this assassin as he grows up. Uh, three sort of pivotal moments in the history of this world. And there's quite big time jumps between each book, which is quite fun to do. So he's, I think he's 15 in the first one, he's 20 in the second, and he's 36 in the last one. I really enjoy time jumps in uh, fictional, uh, in fantasy worlds, so that you can see the world grow and develop. Yeah. Um, and as a writer, it stops you getting bored. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you have to re- re- reinvent stuff, and that's quite fun to do. Um, if you like ships, actually, that's, I, sh- I shouldn't say that because apparently I, I wrote The Burn Ships, and it's my pet project because I love Patrick O'Brien and I wanted to write Patrick O'Brien but fantasy. Um, and it's about Joron, who, who's um, an unpleasant xenophobe, an unpleasant drunken xenophobe, as one reviewer described him when you meet him and it's accurate he, he is um and it's about his journey of, of growing um on this big ship that's trying to hunt a dragon um but it i love it i really love it uh and just kind of the week before it came out one of my writer friends went you're really brave to have written that because everyone knows that naval fantasy doesn't sell i thought oh, oh I, I didn't know that <laughs> thanks <laughs> But um, it's done. It's done really well, and it won the British Fantasy Awards. So that was quite. Oh, you should have just lobbed a copy of Voyage of the Dawn Treader at them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the best one. <laughs> it is the best one it's as well. Definitely the best one. It is. It's one hundred percent the yeah. best one. Followed close by Prince Caspian. Yeah, but I can't tell you how annoyed I was that much. As I love Eddie Izzard that they gave Reepicheep the voice of Eddie Izzard. Oh yeah, Cause, don't. Because he, he's not funny. He, he's terrifying. He, yeah. He's all. Oh, let's, yeah, let's no, I, no, I feel like, yeah, I totally. I think we've, you're very much on the same page as Nick and I there. Um, <laughs> just, just back to you, back to your work, because we're really keen for people to really get this going. So, this is this is your um, the, the the trilogy about ships is the Tide Child trilogy, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it it's about a world where where they it's kind of an ecological allegory going on. They had made, there's no wood, but they had massive massive kaiju. And they hunted them for their bones to build their ships, but they hunted them to extinction. So they're kind of, it's ever decreasing circles now. They're running out of ships. They're running out of their resources. And then one comes back. Um, and this one ship is tasked with finding it. But will they or won't they? You know, do they actually want to continue this generational war? Or, or are they going to take an opportunity to stop it? And then it's about growth. And I don't know if you've read it. I'll send you one of you a copy. I, I would love to. I think this yeah. it sounds like really up my street. I, I'm a big fan of um, uh, Robin Hobb. Um, she, she's got a um, a wonderful trilogy inside her uh, her, her main trilogy, her main series yeah. called the, the Light Traders, which is all about. Um, it, it's it's not particularly similar to what you described, but like this idea, it, a lot of it happens on ships and uh. is to do with the ecology of what's happening under the waves and stuff. It's funny um, you should mention Robin because she's on the front of the bone ships. Um, ah, really? Yeah, she, she, um, she. I, I met Robin at a thing in France, and we just really got on. She's really lovely. Um, just lovely. You, everything you expected to be, she, she's fantastic, and she's a sailor. And, and I said, oh, I've written this book. Could you read it, Robin? And she loved it. Um, Brilliant. Oh, that's a real ringing endorsement, then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. She, she, so, this must have been. 
post her writing and, and <coughs> as you say, she, she herself has her own skills. Yeah. So this uh, the Tide Child trilogy is is ongoing as well, isn't it? You've got it's it's September. The final book comes out, isn't it? The final book, the Burn Ship's Wake. Yes. Which um, what do we mean by wake? That has lots of lots of meanings, which is why I like that title. Mm. It's just, you know, is it is it awake? Is everyone dead? Uh, or is it behind the ship? Or, or are they coming? Are they waking up? Um, people who've read my fiction before might have an idea where it's going, but. Uh, <laughs> But will they be right? Uh, and then, then there's RJ Dark as well. Um, his first book came out about three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Brilliant! Um, and that's What's called that a that's called a numbers game. It's an ebook only at the moment, um, and it, it's it's working class detectives, which is a surprisingly rare thing in crime fiction. Um, it's about a guy called Mal, who's a psychic medium except he's not he's a fraudster um and his friend jackie Sinkata, who is a, a sikh gangster who's a very violent man and they they get mixed up in the search for a lottery ticket and they're actually quite good people who are getting themselves in a lot of trouble and it just gets worse and worse throughout the book and there's a murder and they they, they just everything goes wrong and it's probably the most fun second most fun i've had writing a book Podcast is going to bankrupt me, you know, Ben. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I've not come out of an episode since sort of mid-season two without buying at least one book, and it's getting worse this season. The RJ... is... Oh my god! The RJ Dark one's only two ninety nine though. Oh, there you go then. I'll, I'll spot you that one, Nico. Yeah, but yeah. I've got to go and buy a load of books about cool bone boats. Oh, there's bone... <laughs> the bone books down great. I, I'll. I've only got copies of the second one, but I'll send them to both of you. Oh, that's lovely. That's, that's very that's so nice. Yeah, email me your addresses now. I'll... Well, you think that, but when your book comes out, you get 30 copies. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, we've got a lot of bookshelves, but they're, they're, full, of my, yeah, they're full of my books. And my, my wife is going, you have a lot of books. And they're all the same. And they've all got your name on. Can we please make sure? That must be particularly annoying for her when she collects the first editions of... of yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have a first edition, I've got a Christie that's got nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's been absolutely stunning to talk to you, RJ. I've been loved delight. every minute of it. Really made me very happy. Which I've I loved think. it. Come, come and do write up with us at some point. Oh, sure. Yeah. It'd be yeah, lovely to, to have and talk. Because I don't think we've had podcasters on, so that'd be really... We might have had one. But be, uh, not a duo, though. So that'd be lovely if you want to do it. Double We're basically time. one person. <laughs> <laughs> Two-headed ogre. <laughs> <laughs> one of us tells the truth, and one of us always lies. Oh, don't do that. No, that gives me such a headache. Everyone, <laughs> people explain it to me, and I just do not get it. It doesn't matter. If I, I gave a... one of you a banana and asked you to slice it, yeah. <laughs> would you do it horizontally or vertically? <laughs> It's, I've got I've got a friend that's a mathematician. He's a proper like scary mathematician who does like weird stuff that, that affects our lives through maths. And he was explaining to me about negative numbers, and I understood it for about twenty seconds when he was there telling me about it. And then he went away, and I just had a terrible headache for about a week. What you've just afterwards. described to me is a wizard. Yeah, he's a wizard. He, he is. It's, it's mad. He can like make numbers appear in your head. And the oh, weird thing is, my, my little boy, he got it. He was just like, "Yeah, that makes sense." I was like, "You're oh. eight. Shut up. <laughs> Not right." 
Oh. Yeah, yeah I've, I've had a fantastic time. I would do it again in a shot, and, and we've gone on for like two hours. If yeah. anyone wants to to tweet at you or email you or just get in touch and tell you that they enjoyed the books that we're going to... I imagine it, the ones that we know who are listening are going to want because you, you've hit the wheelhouse of our <laughs> our group here. And uh, where, where can people get you? Where, where can they reach out? You can find my website. It's rjbarker.com. Um, that was made by the lovely people at Create who um, I don't usually... Like, like advertise people but they made my website for free and, and they're lovely um and actually i was very bad doing that but they're lovely um they look after me and i'm on twitter all the time but my twitter handle's really stupid so if you search rj barker it will bring me up tell us the uh, handle <laughs> yeah it, it's d-e-d-b-u-t-d-r-m-n-g which everyone is a shortening of the HP Lovecraft Dead Book Dreaming, but it's not actually referencing HP Lovecraft. It's referencing the goth band Fields of the Nephilim, who I love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been a wonderful evening. Thank you. Brilliant. I've had well, an absolute blast. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, RJ, and uh, we'll definitely be talking to you again. Yeah, I've had a great time. I'll, I'll get you. On, I'll get Kit. We'll contact you about right off list. It'd be a joy to do it. We just sort of ramble on. That's what, that's what we like to do. Yeah. <laughs> ramble on. <laughs> and, and email me your addresses and I'll get your books to you. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. And bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Tiny Bookcase. Remember to subscribe, otherwise you're going to miss out on the future fun. Also, tell a friend. If you like this episode, link them to it. We'd be tremendously grateful. You can follow us on Twitter at Bookcase Tiny. Facebook, at The Tiny Bookcase, and Instagram, at Bookcase Tiny, for updates. Speaking of supporting the podcast, well, magic can only take one so far. The Tiny Bookcase is supported by the generosity of its patrons. Those kind souls have really kept my belly full the last year. Let's cast a spell for them, shall we? For uh, Magnificent Beardery, let's cast the Chinicus Folliculale spell on Gary Laird. For Rich Ginger Tones on the scalp, let us cast the Orangi Hedondo spell for Scott Byrne. And for General Fabulousness, why not the Ulala la Mother spell on Matthew McLaren? How do you come up with that shit, man?